as they're exiting, I'm going to get started on my message. And uh, I had a question to begin with. Um, this morning, the title's Made to Multiply. I want to emphasize that a couple of times. But I uh, wanted to begin with a question. And some of you are familiar with this little scenario, but work with me because I think it's kind of fun to illustrate where we're headed. Would you rather have a million dollars a day for 30 days, or would you rather have a dollar a day doubled for 30 days? Now, some of you have seen this before. You're not even thinking twice. Some of you who have not seen this before, it's kind of fun to think, well, wait a minute. What would I do? $30 million or a dollar a day doubled for 30 days. So let's see what you chose. If you chose A, again, you get $30 million. If you chose B, you get, drum roll please, $536 million and change. Pretty much about 18 times the uh, first amount. And so who wouldn't want 18 times more in this scenario? The sermon that God's put on my heart for us this morning has been cooking for many years, and I'm excited to be able to share it, not only for our graduates, but for us as a church family. And uh, as, as our seniors graduate, and we, their parents, our youth ministry, our church family, send them off in the next chapter, I think this is a message that's close to God's heart for us today. And so my friends, church family, graduates, parents, everyone. I believe it's really important for us to get this message that we were made to multiply. You see, because God is all about multiplication, we individually and collectively must offer ourselves into his multiplying design for his glory and our joy. And so let's unfold this a little bit and let's unpack this. Simply asking, what is multiplication? And so if you think about it in the math world, multiplication is taking two factors, two or more factors, combining them under special rules, and you get a result, right? You get a product. Two times two is four. The product is four, and that type of thing. In creation, it's reflected in agriculture pretty easily, right? I mean, if you think one seed doesn't produce just one plant, Uh, a seed produces a plant that produces seeds that produce multiple plants, And uh, in the animal kingdom, same thing. Um, Animals usually don't just produce one. Many animals produce more than one, multiple. And uh, everything that's living reproduces and multiplies. It's God's design. And think about that in regards to our humanity and and the human race, same thing, right? Uh, It applies to us physically, but it also applies to us spiritually. I think multiplication works in a fun way, and humor, too. Uh, I I came across this and thought, let's just lighten things up. What do you get when you cross a strawberry with a road? A traffic jam, right? How about this? What do you get when you cross a snowman with a shark? Frostbite. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Okay, work with me. This one's a little more complicated. you got to pay attention. What do you get when you cross an insomniac, someone who can't sleep, an agnostic, someone who doesn't know what they believe, and a dyslexic. You get someone who stays up all night wondering if there is a dog. I love that one. I thought that was kind of fun. Okay, so <laughs> let's kind of play with what is God's desire or passion for multiplication. 
And I thought in doing this, I wanted to do a Bible survey, kind of an overarching, you know, Old Testament, New Testament uh, flyover on, on the idea of multiplication. And it begins in Genesis 1. Remember back in day 5, God created the great creatures of the sea and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. This is God's first declaration of his will for multiplication. And then on day six... God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and, say it with me, multiply, right? And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Even out of those two passages, and this continues on, particularly in the Old Testament, where multiplication is associated with fruitfulness. And we see this later on, particularly in the Gospels, in Jesus' life, because he casts vision and talks often about much fruit as a result of abiding in him. And so, uh, you know, the, the Bible is just chock full of this idea and this uh, desire for God's people and God's work to multiply. Then, back to kind of, we went through Genesis 1 and 2, but go to Genesis 3, all, everything's good, it's all happening, uh, things are moving along, but then sin enters the world. And do you think this changed God's passion and commission for multiplication? No, not at all. It just gets a little more complex. God says to Eve, I will surely, look at this, multiply. I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And the reality of this is that there's no neutrality in multiplication. And God designed life this way. Even in the drama of the flood, God reiterates his command to Noah, bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on it. Then multiplication, after the flood, multiplication really starts to take off with Sarah and Abraham and God's promise to them to be a a great nation, Isaac, and then Jacob, the patriarchs continue on. Even Ishmael, this one kind of had me scratching my head. Remember Ishmael? If you don't look him up, but God even blessed him and says he will make Ishmael fruitful and multiply him greatly. Multiplication is not neutral. It is powerful in God's design and God's heart. But often in Scripture, Multiplication is meant for good, and God meant it as a blessing. So this morning, I really am excited to admonish and encourage us to consider, both individually and collectively, we were made to multiply. It's literally in our DNA, right? Imagine, as we're bearers of God's image, as people, being a part of the body of Christ, we're made to multiply. And it's in our character, whether we're believers or not, think about the love, of, love for multiplication we have in our world. We love to multiply stories. We love to multiply people. We love to multiply money, right? Um, think about this from a musician's perspective. 
how many musicians go to the effort of writing a song with the desire to only have it listened to once? Or if you're an artist, think of creating a piece of art. And do you think the person who creates a piece of art wants to only have it seen by one person? No, we want multiple people to enjoy it, and we want multiple times to have it reproduced. And think about how many of us on social media only want one friend and one like. You know, we want multiple likes and multiple friends. So we love multiplication as a, as a hu- human race, as people, and hopefully as people of God. We love multiplication and get that that's part of what God has for us. And so I want to ask another question about multiplication and kind of cast a little vision of where can multiplication happen? Well, for our seniors and for us, uh, I thought, let's kind of figure this out a little bit. Uh, One place I think it's really valuable, and it's probably a no-duh, but multiplication can happen in our families. Cassie and I together have four children, and both of us came from families with multiple children, and by God's grace, into the future, the gen- there will be many children and generations to come. And so God designed the family as a specific place for multiplication. And we see that happening, again, all throughout the Old Testament as God raises up and develops a people for himself. And then it continues on. Uh, today, think about multiplication can happen in the local church. And I love this idea that multiplication can happen in the local church. If you're a Sunday school teacher, a greeter, a Stevens minister, anywhere you serve, that is an awesome place for multiplication to take place. It's simply the mindset to think, how can I reproduce myself? How can I give away what has been given to me? And so, obviously, we're a result of that because Midland Free hasn't been around since Acts 2, right? We're only 33 years old. So there was multiplication happening in the people of God before us for millennia, and it'll happen, Lord willing, in fruitful ways uh, from us is, is God's desire and I think his will for us. So really, multiplication can happen anywhere and everywhere. Imagine and envision being multiplier for Christ at Dow Chemical or the school that you go to or work at or your neighborhood and the relationships you have, or the social activities you do. I mean, to think about where can multiplication happen, it can happen anywhere and everywhere. And, and we see that, again, throughout Scripture and throughout our lives. So um, one more thing that I, I want to emphasize and be really clear on, where multiplication can happen. It can happen in people's lives for the sake of disciple-making. God designs it that way, And if we really think about it, there's not a lot, again, back to the neutrality thing. There's no neutrality when it comes to even the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, there's specifics along those lines of baptizing, teaching them to obey, and that type of thing. But the thing that I'm sobered up to as I was preparing for this was how, wow, we can make bad disciples as well as good disciples. Think, do we want to make unfaithful, unbiblical, you know, neglectful, mean disciples. Well, no, we want to make faithful, prayerful, biblically obedient, biblically aware, gospel-passionate disciples for Christ's sake. And so that's where I think 
God gives us a vision for where disciple-making and where multiplication can happen. So here's another question. How? How can multiplication happen? How do we multiply for Christ? Well, I have this idea of explaining this in in a a metaphor, kind of an illustration of imagine a river and imagine kayaking in a river. So most of us have some kind of orientation to that. So the river is God's movement. It's the movement began at creation of God's multiplication and his working to just bring people into the stream of new life in Christ and happening over and over and over. Well, imagine yourself getting in a kayak in, in parallel with this idea of how to make disciples or how to multiply. So there's a couple ways you could get in the kayak that are really awkward or incorrect, right? I mean, to think if you got in backwards, that would feel weird. So the way I thought about this was four postures when it comes to how to multiply. And obviously the life of Christ is our model, but for us this morning, I thought this would be kind of aiming for the heart. That these four postures help us to think how we can get in line with where God's heart is when it comes to multiplication. And to do that, I wanted to begin with a, a few passages to help us get this first posture. Um, kind of like that first idea of sitting down correctly in the, in the kayak. And this uh, first passage is in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. And I want to invite us to listen to these words through the lens of multiplication. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now I'm looking out and I'm seeing a couple of you guys who are fishermen. And uh, I love fishing. Now, if you think about it, how many of us are really satisfied? I mean like that deep contentment satisfied if you go out and you only catch one fish. I know I'm not. When I go fishing, I want to catch lots of fish. And there's something about it that's super fun, right? Well, Jesus called multiple men to follow him. And he gives them a vision for multiple results based on his transforming work in their life. He's going to make them become fishers of men, not just a fisher of a man, fishers of men. So there's the multiplication heart that I think we see in Jesus as well. Another passage, this isn't on the screen, but it's Matthew 9, 37. He kind of changes from fishing and he does another uh, vision casting for his guys. He says, uh, the harvest is plentiful. Remember that? The workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. And so Jesus sees and expects a huge result as, as a work of the kingdom happening among people. And then, uh, and then fast forward all the way to the end, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, God gives John a vision. And he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation and every tribe and every people and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white, with palm branches in their hands. So whether it's fishing, a harvest, or a great multitude worshiping God in eternity, I think God gives us this idea that 
a posture we can take in how to multiply is to catch the vision for multiplication. Simply catch the vision that multiplication is significant in God's heart, in God's word, in God's will. And so that's something that I want to challenge us on. If you haven't caught it yet, please catch it this morning. And, and let God do some expansion and some stretching in our thinking and in our hearts. Um, the remaining postures, the next three I want to cover, are from a passage in the book of Mark. This is also in Luke as well, but, but Mark eight thirty four, um, And again, these are just, again, postures, positions, ways to receive and position ourselves in God's flow of multiplication. Here's Mark eight thirty four. It says, And calling the crowd to himself, along with his disciples, Jesus said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We'll break this down. So we've got catching a vision for multiplication. And how to do this is beginning with denying self. An expanded way to understand this from the original language, I think, says, let this person disregard his own interests. And so denying self, I think another way to say it is, instead of thinking me, think we. Denying self for an individual, I want to kind of, throw out two ideas. Denying self for us individually. Uh, One way I thought this looks like is uh, from my personal experience. And this is something that I walked through uh, a few years ago. When I was in college, um, and I tried to apply this because God struck my heart with it, I said, Lord, I surrender my my desires to make money as my primary motivation for a career. I surrender being a pilot or being a coach, Lord, I surrender my life to your kingdom's purposes. And then a few years later, the way I was applying this denying self was saying as I was driving from the office back home in my heart and my head, Lord, um, I need to deny myself when I walk through that door. When I walk through the door with Cassie and our kids, it's not about me. I need to love my kids so they see Jesus by sacrificing, sharing, investing time on their level where their needs are, and most importantly, loving their mom as Jesus loved the church. And so how do we practically deny ourselves? Uh, two significant things that hang, hang out or that stand out to me. One is spending time with Jesus. And so my challenge to you, if you think of, how do I get in the flow of multiplication? One is spend time with Jesus. You're going to get his heart as you make priority for him, daily worshiping him. And then a second way that we deny ourselves is simply serving others, right? It's not rocket science. It's doing, other, doing stuff for other people, whether they're believers or not. And Jesus models that and uh, gives us an example of how that's happening. And I love the way uh, God put on my mind an idea of, okay, individually we can do that. We can spend time with God alone and pursue Jesus personally and we can serve God, Um, but then corporately, what does it look like to deny ourselves and apply Mark 8.34 corporately? And I just thought, hey, it's doing stuff for other people together, right? I mean, that's, that's where we see or hear of opportunities, and the multiplying impact that goes out when multiple people are doing service for the kingdom and to serve other people, uh, we can't even measure that. That's a beautiful thing that God offers us. And so a couple postures 
Again, catching a vision and denying self, going on, taking up your cross. Taking up your cross is a scary one for a lot of us because it requires loss of control. And really, if you think about it, it has to do with dying to self. And I had a story of a friend that I met back in 1992. His name's Ben Butler. And Ben is the director of a ministry called Way of the Cross. Way of the Cross is down in southern Texas. It's a mission organization. And I'd never met a guy like Ben before in my life. As a young youth pastor, Ben came across and lived his life as someone who took up his cross daily. Um, Ben always talked about Jesus. I mean, for morning till night, he was talking about Jesus. And regularly throughout the day, I mean, multiple times a day, as much as he's talking about Jesus, he's gathering people who are down there on mission trips to talk to Jesus. And uh, it really struck me that this guy loves the Lord. And his passion, as he's died to himself and taken up his cross, he did it daily in my eyes, before me. And I went down there probably four or five years in a row on trips, taking teams down there. And his passion was just to get the gospel into people's lives, to see people cared for with clothing and food. And uh, really impressed me as an example of somebody in what Jesus describes in John 12. Again, this isn't in the, in the uh, screens, but just work with me. It's John 12, 24. It's one verse along the lines of what this uh, take up your cross is. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so again, there's a a vision for what it means to take up our cross, to die to self and let God do the multiplying work through us. And then finally, following Jesus. Expanded and, and kind of, stretched out a little more here, this person needs to start taking up the same road that Jesus travels and do so moment by moment. Getting on the same road is Jesus. And I love the idea that we not only do that individually, and Jesus never expected us to only do it individually because he knew individuals would follow him. But he does it in such a way as he models for his guys and we can apply it for us is imagine following Jesus in the same road together as a church family, as a part of the body of Christ, as a movement in the stream of multiplication that God has for his people. And as we do that, he will multiply. He will produce incredible fruit in our church, and he'll reproduce and multiply his glory in our midst and in our community. And so... Um, You know, for those of you who are graduating, uh, one of the challenges I have along these lines is when you go away, make sure you plug into a local church. Right away, first Sunday away from Midland, get plugged into a local church. And so we've asked, what is multiplication? Where can multiplication happen and how can it happen? And then I had another question that came into my heart was, well, what if multiplication isn't happening? And that kind of was a sobering thought too. And this isn't really a long point, but I think it's important to touch on. If multiplication isn't happening, then there's sin and there's sickness that's in our lives or in our midst. And so think about what can we do? Well, 
I think we get this uh, insight and in, in practically working this out from John 15. Um, Jesus talks about being the vine, and his father is the vine dresser, and we're the branches. And so if there's not fruit being produced, the first thing to do is to repent and to trust Christ. If there's no fruit, meaning spiritual fruit in your life, then maybe you're not a Christian. And God says, hey, I want you to be connected to the vine. And so get connected through beginning a personal relationship with Jesus. Those of us who are Christians, what happens when there's no fruit? The vine dresser starts to do some pruning. Um, in the book of Hebrews, we're told to throw off every sin that so easily entangles us. And so we need to, do, get some, we need to have some pruning done if there's no fruit. And then ultimately, in order for much fruit to happen, we need to abide in Christ. We talked about that a little bit and just having a daily personal worship experience with Jesus, the Savior. And so finally, the last question, well, what does multiplication look like? What can multiplication really look like in our lives? And so uh, this morning you have a little token of uh, my weird thinking. <laughs> for anybody in construction, you know what this is. It's a tile marker or a spacer. But for this morning's purposes, this is a symbol of multiplication. You had one on your chair, and I'm going to invite you to take it in your hand right now. Find one on a chair around you. And uh, we get a model or we get an idea of what multiplication can look like from 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And this is Paul, uh, a uh, disciple maker, a passionate lover of Jesus. And he says to Timothy in this passage, 2 Timothy 2, 2, he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so here's this sketched out on our screens. And what I'm going to invite you to do is put your X up between your eye and one of the diamonds up on the screen. And here's the diamond that I'm going to challenge you to choose. Which one would you say you are? Are you Paul? Do you know the Timothy that you've invested in? And can you see the Timothy you've invested in building into Others, faithful people who are going to teach others. Maybe you're a Timothy. Maybe you're at the Timothy generation and you're saying, I know there's people who poured into me and I'm seeking to pour into other people and be able to have them pour into other people. Maybe you're in the fourth generation. Maybe you're like, okay, I know there's been no, obviously people didn't just show up without having been discipled. And I know people that are discipling me, uh, but I feel like I'm at the others level. And so you can see where you would fit uh, or where you would uh, kind of be. One of the things I love about this is, my friends, it only takes one faithful decision to begin a new generation of multiplication and the new generational chain of multiplication. So if you think, I am going to position myself as the beginning of a generation of multiplication by pouring my heart and life into others, And so how about it? My challenge for us as we leave here this morning is that you would take a step this week and do something to be involved in the flow, in the stream, in the river of God's multiplying heart and movement. And so there's a couple ways that you can do this. And uh, 
one of the things is I'm going to invite you just to catch a vision for multiplication. Maybe it's I'm going to get alone with Jesus every day this week. Some of you are in the habit of doing it. Some of you have never done that. But if Jesus is your Savior, why not spend time with him? He loves to spend time with you. He's with you every day. Are you attentive to his presence and and listening? Another thing you could do is say, I'm going to choose to live in denying myself this week. And so an example of that may be, I'm going to commit to signing up for the Go Local adventure, uh, the Love Local adventure coming up this July. Now, that's not the only place you can serve, right? Um, There's places all over uh, our children's ministry, worship arts, and youth ministry. There's all kinds of places to serve. And to think that is a place to deny yourself. Maybe your neighbors. Uh, maybe mowing, your lawn, mowing the lawn for your neighbor in Jesus' name and letting them know that as a way to deny yourself. Uh, a third one, take up your cross. Um, maybe this is using that act of service to bridge the gap to actually share the gospel and get into a spiritual conversation with your neighbor. Now, you die to self. It's not about your reputation when you stick your neck out and share the gospel with someone, Right? But for their sake and the kingdom's growth, that may be a step of faith to be a part of the multiplying movement that God calls us to and invites us to. And then finally, uh, a way to do this would be to decide in your heart, you're saying, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do this and invest in disciple-making relationships. And uh, had an excellent uh, God experience yesterday. I had a young man, uh, thinking he's 21, maybe 20, 21, tap me on his shoulder at an open house said, hey, Pastor Jeff, can you think of anybody I could ask to mentor me? That's ripe, right there. So, men, there are people who are Timothys, who need a Paul. And uh, they're all all around our church family. Um, We love to see those connections made. And uh, it just is a matter of stepping into that, stepping into that road that Jesus is traveling. And that's about pouring his life out for the sake of others, to be able to pour their life out, and on and on. All right, this week, my charge to us as we close in prayer is to put this little multiplication sign in your, car, in your car's cup holder, maybe in your Bible, or by your toothbrush, someplace you're going to see it every day for the next week. And uh, with doing that, we're going to watch God multiply. Put on your hands, my friends, and open them, and let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that, Father, uh, you give us your word that offers us the opportunity to catch your heart. And, Lord, some of us are sitting here saying, there's no way I can multiply. And, God, we know that because of your grace, your patience, and your love, we don't have to do it right this minute every single day and see 30, 60, and 100-fold reproduction every day. But, God, as a result of posturing our lives in obedience to your word and in light of who you show us, Jesus Christ, the model disciple maker to be. I just ask that you would help us to make the kinds of decisions, even this week, to do something about getting into the flow of your movement to be about multiplication. Again, thank you so much for calling us, for inviting us, and charging us with What is your heart? And not being selfish with your love, but Lord, being faithful to give it away generously. We commit the decisions that we've made and the 
vision you've put in front of us to be about multiplication into your hands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.